0: feeling and giving it's you know you can't open the door one way without it going both ways so it, it's really the same thing for me it's a recognition of who we are as love
1: welcome to radically loved radio i am your host rosie acosta yoga teacher and teacher trainer mindfulness coach speaker and creative writer i am also the founder of RadicallyLove.com. A website where you can go for more information about yoga, mindfulness, meditation, and lifestyle advice. On this podcast, we talk to people within our health and wellness community that are creating content through the ritualistic practice of yoga, meditation, or overall mindful living. We hope to create value in your life so that you can achieve your highest potential and live a radically loved life. To stay in touch with us, just follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Rosie Acosta and on Facebook. At radically loved Rosie, you can sign up for our newsletter on radically to stay up to date on future workshops, retreats and latest podcasts. I hope that radically loved radio leaves you feeling inspired to create something powerful. My teacher, yoga, Rupa Rod Stryker, says, if you powerfully believe in the value you have to offer the world, your love and passion for it will be an unstoppable force. Thanks for listening. Hey, guys. Most of you know that I have returned back to a plant-based diet, so my beverage consumption has increased quite quite a bit. Don't judge, I know there's some of you out there that really enjoy beverages. So one of my favorite things to drink lately, which I'm consuming a lot of, is Four Sigmatic's new golden latte mushroom mix. It has shiitake and turmeric in it. It's totally organic, caffeine-free, vegan, and only one gram of palm sugar per serving. I love being able to travel with these little packets because they're really easy to make. All you need is some hot water. Some of the additional ingredients in the golden latte are adaptogenic tulsi, warming ginger, and a pinch of black pepper to support turmeric skin-loving properties. So not only do your insides feel amazing, but your skin looks great. Go to Four Sigmatic now and enter promo code Radically Loved. that's R-A-D-I-C-A-L-L-Y, L o v e d to get fifteen percent off of your entire purchase. Be sure to check out all the other products that they have there as well. Uh, Aubrey Marcus, thank you so much for being here today.
0: Yeah, awesome to be here.
1: I uh, I loved reading your book. I was so inspired by so many different things. I learned so much about um, you know all all the different practices that you you know you talked about that worked for you and I know that this was a, a long writing this was a, a long process for you because it was something that you you have been wanting to do. So part of what I'm curious about because this is like a fucking epic read <laughs> like this isn't like one of those like, you know, the four agreements where you can just yeah. pick up. So can you tell us a little bit about uh, what that was like for you?
0: Well, really, it was a shocking amount of commitment that was required to actually, you know, complete this book. And I think when I agreed to it, it's something I knew I wanted to write. It was an important piece of what I had to offer and like a cornerstone of who I am and what my company is about and what I wanted to bring forth to the world. But I really didn't have any idea of what it took to make a book. So I think if I would have <laughs> known, I might've said no, <laughs> honestly, Seriously? I, might've, I might've said no when, uh, when it came time to actually do it. But once I got going, you know, it's, it's one of the things that I'm probably the very most proud of because at every turn, you know, you have the choice to take the easy road or take the hard road, you know, when it comes to doing the research and we have over 300 clinical academic references, over Mm -hmm. 400 total references in there. And there's a a place where you can either kind of talk without actually going back to the science and looking at all the numbers and you can go and not rewrite it. I think I rewrote this book five or six times. Like there's always an opportunity to take the easier route. And with this book, never once did I take that easier road. And I always, did, you know, did what was best for the book and did what was best ultimately for the reader. And so, you know, as like a, a capsule of my effort, you know, I don't think anything is as complete and as thoroughly, you know, um, disciplined in, in my approach as the, as this book.
1: Wow. And like, by the time you got to page 200, where you like, wow, I'm like doubling. That. <laughs> were you ever like, wow, this book is, did you know it was going to be like this big? Did you know that?
0: <laughs> well, in a way, in a way, I think I kind of did because we're really combining what a lot of people will write an entire book on a single chapter. Yeah. You know, like there's multiple books on sleep and that's just chapter 15 of our book. Right. So I had to read multiple books oftentimes for a single chapter. So I knew it was going to be an endeavor Mm-hmm. You know, going through all of these most important topics and finding like the crucial pieces of information. But when I had a like over a hundred thousand word outline, I knew like, oh, <laughs> this is gonna be <laughs> oh this is gonna be serious. And um, and so you know, fortunately, I had a I had a good team um, of editors from the team at Harper to my own internal team who could really kind of help me and bring some expertise and also let me know that you know, going crazy a little bit was part of the process. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, so it, it all ended up working out, working out as well as I could possibly imagine.
1: Yeah. I mean, you hit the New York Times bestseller list. I mean, that's a huge feat. So congratulations.
0: Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It was cool to not only hit it the first week with, cause you know, we had a lot of pre-orders from mm-hmm. all the promotion we did, but then to see it hit again the next week, um, was awesome because that just means the word of mouth was spreading and it's still spreading and I'm getting messages every day about. About how this book's changing people's lives, and um, you know they're sharing it with everybody they know, and it's you know it just feels like one of those things that's going to go on and create a ripple that that really lasts.
1: Yeah, and I mean, and I love, I mean, I listen to your podcast. I've been listening to it for the past uh, six months, and then occasionally, like I'll I'll go back, you know, listen some of the to some of the older episodes, and I I know that you talk about this process throughout, um, you know, your 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 journey you know, and I, and I really love your, your honesty and your wholeheartedness. And that's like one of the reasons why I connected with your story and, and with what you're doing, you know, it's like, I like to channel in my like, you know, kettlebell, kettlebell warrior once in a while, <laughs> I'm yeah, like, yeah. cause I'm such a like yogi, you know, I, I go and the heart I used to run, you know, I used to do like marathon running before. And then I decided I wanted to retire and just stick to doing yoga, you know? And um, after reading your book, I was like, no, I got to go back in. I got to like really push my body. I got to be able to like do something where it feels like so good. And, and the reason why I say that is because sometimes doing those challenging things can be really confronting. And I know that you've not been shy about doing things that are scary. And so I love that you even used that as a practice to write this book because – I feel like not only like people don't do that, but especially it's really hard for men to be able to balance the masculine and feminine softer energy, you know, and I feel like you do that Mm -hmm. so well, you know?
0: (laughs) Well, I appreciate that. And it's, it's, you know, a constant ongoing process, but like anything, practice makes the master, you know? So the more you get used to diving headlong into your fears and using fear as a wayfinder, like where do I have fear that's out of line with actual danger? Well, wherever that is, you have to go towards it to collapse it, and 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 then rid yourself of that virus. I mean, fear is really like a virus. So the practice of finding that out and like knowing where you're sick, and and then seeing where you're sick with fear, and then going to cure that fear. You know, that's been uh, you know something that I've really learned. Probably pays the biggest dividends in my own life because that Mm -hmm. creates the greatest transformation and the greatest healing internally and and, you know part of that is is a certain degree you can't attack it like you would attack a uh, you know a problem in the uber kind of hyper masculine way like I'm gonna defeat this fear I'm gonna conquer it I'm gonna overcome it with will of strength and courage there's a little bit of that but a lot of times it's coming at it with surrender and really just saying You know, I accept these circumstances, I accept this fear, and I trust and have faith that ultimately I'm stronger than that internally Mm -hmm. without having to bring an active force to defeat it. And it's, you know, it's that balance of tools that you learn and some you learn in the gym, you learn some, maybe some more of those masks and traits in the gym how to overcome a workout and then in a sweat lodge or in an ayahuasca ceremony mm-hmm, you'll learn mm-hmm. some of the other tools on how to overcome some of these deeper fears and that's really just letting go and surrendering to who you are
1: but even like with all the knowledge that you have and and the wisdom that you've you've gathered you know in your life do you still have those moments where you kind of you kind of forget that <laughs> you're just oh, like... I, every day i mean <laughs> of course
0: of course. And th- and that's actually can be its own frustrating thing, right? Cuz right. it's like I know better. I know right. better than this, and then you can get really hard on yourself and then you can go down that spiral like I should have learned this already, you know, like what am I doing? And you know, it's it's about being still being kind to yourself and forgiving, but also knowing, you know, what's the minimum amount? You want you want the minimum effective amount of self-criticism <laughs> and no <laughs> more than that. You want to say all right, man, that was dumb. Don't do that again. Uh, But you're forgiven and let's move forward. Because if you keep wanting to punish yourself for these mistakes and these things that you forget, then you'll live in a perpetual state of punishment, which is obviously not going to be anything good. So it's just about learning as quickly as you can, getting to forgiveness, getting to whatever is going to correct the situation as quickly and smoothly as possible. And, and a lot of times we just overdo it. We overdo our punishment, we overdo our self-criticism. We do way more than we really need to, to correct the behavior that we're trying to correct.
1: Yeah, how do you, how have you learned to discern when those moments are?
0: Well, usually, you know, usually we're already so self-critical mm-hmm. that probably what we need more than anything is forgiveness. You know, I I mean, it, it I tend to lean on that side of like when we actually really look at it, we're beating ourselves up way too much. And I think so for the most part, err on the side of all right, learn. You've learned the lesson. Forgive yourself so you don't continue to punish yourself. And move on. And that's a big theme in the book as well. Like in order to make change, you have to believe you deserve to change. And if you're constantly punishing yourself for the mistakes you've made in the past, you're not going to believe you deserve to change. You're going to believe you deserve to carry out that draconian punishment Mm -hmm. that your own self judge is, you know, administering to you. So you're not going to actually be able to evolve in the way that you want to evolve. You're going to hold yourself back because you feel like you don't deserve the good things. So really in your heart and in your core knowing that you deserve all the things that you're bringing in i mean that's a huge piece of the puzzle
1: yeah i mean and i know you talk about you know all the work that obviously you've done and uh you've talked about having ayahuasca ceremonies and how this has helped you move past some of those limitations that you've experienced um I'm, I've never done it before I'm, and I'm just I'm always curious as to people's experiences you know and I and I know that you're very vocal about talking about it um, and and how like on a day to day are you able to channel that sort of. how do you call this, this connection to spirit or like the connection to the divine in order for you to move through those obstacles or move through that forgiveness? Or is it kind of a thing where it's like, oh, it's time for a ceremony again. Like, Mm -hmm. how does it, how does it work for you?
0: A little bit of both. You know, I think for me, I came in, you know, largely atheist before I started the plant medicine path. You know, I had, I knew enough, philosophically to say you know what what the big religions especially in texas are espousing doesn't doesn't strike a chord with me doesn't ring true i don't find any truth to that so i discarded what you know most of the capital r religions were talking about and said all right this sounds like nonsense to me and i hadn't built anything else affirmative or experiential on the other side so i was you know i guess somewhere between agnostic and atheist and then I did my first vision quest out in the mountains and it was utilizing psilocybin and I felt my body evaporate and what I would call my consciousness or what other language would maybe call the soul exists beyond you know the somatic confines of the body and I was like oh shit (laughs) there's something else going on here and I gotta reevaluate my my you know, paradigm mm-hmm. and from there ayahuasca was just an extension of that and really what it does to me it is it opens up a direct experiential contact with these things that we call the source or universe or god or you know language can be very troublesome because every time you use language in an incorrect way it like attaches these barnacles of delusion and so you end up not even be able to see the thing that the word was initially intended for so it's difficult with words, but whatever that that spirit, that force is, what the Lakota called Wakantanka, what that force of life is, you get to encounter that directly. And when, when you encounter that directly, it's a knowing. It's not a believing. It's a knowing. Mm. It no longer requires this abstract faith because you read it on some page and somebody else is telling you that a long time ago, somebody accessed it. You've accessed, accessed it yourself. You've felt it. And, you know, a lot of people will, detractors will say, well, that's just, You know going on in your head whatever like I know what I felt you know what I mean and whether that's coming from me internally my heart or some deep recesses of my head or it's coming externally from the universe I know what that force is I know how wise it was I know what the impact of accessing that force was on my life so it's an unquestioned belief it's a knowing and when you have that knowing then sometimes you can forget like you said Mm -hmm. but at least you still know and when you know then you don't call it into question and so for me, the the plant medicine ceremonies have given me the knowing, and now it's just up to me to try and stay connected and try and, you know, forget less and remember faster.
1: Yeah, and I also I love how you really sort of revere these types of rituals and practices too. It's not like I mean, look, I have I have friends in L. A. that are doing ceremonies like every weekend, you know, and and it's like fine, yeah, go do your ceremony, you know, at the shaman's house on his carpet, in his carpeted apartment. Like that's cool. (laughs) You know, like if that works for you, but, but I feel like there's elements that are missing. And I know that you speak to them a lot. It's like, you have a full practice. Like it's not, it's not just like, Oh, we're just going to go do this because I just want to like empty out a couple of these mental filing cabinets that have been really weighing heavy on my heart. It's like, no, this is a, a full, experience this is this is something that it's meant to push through some really big deep deep rooted uh you know levels of the subconscious that need to be purged you know it's 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 way bigger than that and and I feel like it's important for people to to hear what you're saying in 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 the bigger sense and and I know again you you talk about this at length but I just think like if you can speak to the difference of you know like my friend that goes every friday night <laughs> to the mm-hmm. downtown shaman compared to you know you having these very mindful intentional experiences
0: yeah i mean i think there's a couple factors in that one <laughs> is that this is this is a major event it's like psychic surgery you know what i mean and and or if you use another analogy like a physical fitness analogy this would be like running an iron and if you do that every weekend, you're not going to recover. You're going to break down your body. If you do ceremony every weekend and you're not prepared, you know, for that from a lifetime lifetime of practice, mm-hmm. you're going not to have enough time to recover. And they call that the integration process. So one risk is that your frequency is going to preclude you really integrating, Um, you know, the lessons that you've learned and the challenges. I mean, this is a trial by fire Mm -hmm. and it's going to take a lot of energy and it's going to take a lot of reflection and it's going to unfold over time. So you have to make sure that you give yourself plenty of time to recover. And I've seen, you know, unfortunately and sadly far too many cases of people who've gone on the plant medicine path with such vim and vigor and, and enthusiasm that they fail to ignore the signs that they need to recover. And they're very ungrounded. It's like they're a live wire that hasn't tapped back into the dirt. And Mm -hmm. a lot of these grounding practices include like yoga and breath work Mm -hmm. and being spending time in nature and journaling and just time itself. So that's one factor. And then the other factor is, you know, is the set and setting appropriate? You know, these these are, these are very powerful medicines. You wouldn't get surgery done, you know, uh, in a food truck, you know, that was just (laughs) parked on the side of the road, right? Like that's, (laughs) That's not the place that you would go. You want to go to a hospital. And, and and the and the ayahuasca hospital is typically in a different type of setting with a different type of provider, someone with right. that kind of experience. So, you know, really making sure you're paying attention to that and that the the provider, practitioner is top level, you know, is is the psychic surgeon that you want. And that the setting is has really clean hygiene and 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 that's, you know, of course, emotional hygiene and mm-hmm. and all of the other things. I mean, obviously drawing this analogy out, but you want to make sure that it's all in the right place for doing this. And that's not to say that, you know, an occasional gram of mushrooms while you're hiking or, you know, at a festival (laughs) isn't going to be fun, but just understand what the intention is. And if you're going to go do work, you know, and you're going to have that experience, then do it the right way.
1: I mean, I, I attribute it to the same thing as, as being on, on a yoga journey or being on the spiritual path. It's like, you don't just you don't want to follow somebody who's just m- making shit up you know I mean you want to <laughs> be able to like follow somebody who whose light is a little bit brighter than yours I mean that that's what the sutras say it's what y- yogic philosophy philosophical texts say this all the time it's like you want to be able to follow uh somebody who has just their knowledge is a little bit brighter who who has a deeper understanding of of this particular practice more than you do not somebody who's just making shit up and calling it something else you know it's it's i think it's a little bit irresponsible for us to be able to to just do shit that's like popular you know what i mean
0: totally totally yeah and it's not a it's not a you know boy or girl scout badge of honor that you did ayahuasca (laughs) like that's the wrong reason to do it you don't get a little you know, get a little metal for your shirt, <laughs> you know, like if you're doing it for that, it's, you know, some form of spiritual materialism and that's, right. it's gross. Yeah, <laughs> you know, no, like, it's
1: so, oh my God. I'm so glad that you're talking about that because I was just talking to one of my friends about this the other day, you know, it's like, it's, everybody wants the the quick fix, you know? and And, and the thing is, this is just going back to, to the book. It's like, establishing a practice, establishing routines in your life that are sustainable are really going to be the key. Everyone's so quick to do. It's like, what's going to happen fast? How do I lose weight fast? How do I do this fast? How do I get on the New York Times bestseller fast? How do I, it's like people (laughs) want like the, that quick link to the divine, or they want the quick link to spiritual enlightenment. And it just doesn't work that way.
0: Yeah. and, And it doesn't, And it's, but you know, the the interesting thing about psychedelics, why they're so alluring is they can give you a glimpse and that glimpse can be really valuable because normally if if you're going to try and experience the full somatic flood of the divine, that Kundalini awakening, like you got to be pretty deep into your yoga practice. And so you got to be spending or a meditation practice, like you got to be some years of commitment before you really even feel it. You know what I mean? In a lot of cases, sometimes, you know, different people can experience that early on the path. And that's a great sign that that's exactly the path. For me, what it's valuable is it's just a glimpse. And then you can, now that you've felt the glimpse, you know, the value of that proposition, you know, how good that feels, you know, how realigning and reawakening that is. And then you have to build your other foundational inroads to it. So you don't keep using the shortcut, but once you've seen it, then you know how to get there in other ways and i think that's that's really a big part of the value is it can actually show you something beyond your normal levels of cognition and something that would take you years otherwise mm-hmm. to maybe find it can give you just a taste and that taste can give you the appetite to start pursuing it on your own
1: yeah but again it's like that that's implicit that we us are responsible for our own lives and take control <laughs> of our, and are responsible mm-hmm. about uh, what our intention is and, and are very clear with what our intention is like i feel like today especially where we are with you know the the state of the world and how we do need more more healing i just feel like there's such a huge lack of honest self-appraisal
0: yeah yeah there is and, and i think that's it just comes from you know, it comes from the the self judge being far wow. too critical. You know, we're trying to live this ideal that really isn't real and we're holding ourselves to a standard. You know, what we what we require in validation to be worthy of love is it's unapproachable. You know, like we need to really be perfect to feel like we're worthy of our own love or worthy of anyone else's love. And that's something that, you know, we've learned our society and we've also internalized ourselves, and i think we have to transcend that and recognize that we're worthy even though we're vulnerable even though we'll fail even though we have flaws and mistakes and once you start again practice makes a master once you start recognizing that the more you share that vulnerability the more you open up your shirt and show the scars and show the wounds and show those things that's actual true strength and that's what actually Endears you to others even more that's what causes people to love you even more because they start to see self When they look at you because we all know our own shit somewhere deep down But everybody everybody who's projecting this aura of perfection We look at them and we don't actually see ourself because we see somebody that's not real so, you know, I encourage anybody who wants to make a shift in others You know, start by showing all of your own shit and recognizing and reconciling your own shit. You know, as Jordan Peterson says, aim in heaven, start at home. You know, like if you really want to make a significant improvement, you got to start by reconciling your own shadow, admitting it, acknowledging it, and then sharing it openly and honestly. That's another thing that a great thing that Luke's story does. You know, he's Mm -hmm. super open about, you know, his own stuff. And and that's uh, one of the reasons why I think we hit it off so well
1: yeah i mean he's he he really does uh such an incredible job at really showing all of those those uh i'm like i always call him you know our our little uh little bits that you know are not favorable to the curated perfect life of instagram you know Mm -hmm. Uh, and i feel like i always talk about how you know comparison is the biggest joy kill right and and i think that that sort of attributes to what you're saying a little bit in 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 the sense that we we don't we want to eradicate all of the negativity and all like the bad stuff in our lives and in our defects of character you know and and so we're so quick to ignore them or push them down or not do the things that are that are hard you know we want the easy you know we 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 Mm -hmm. don't want to have to do the work you know we want a quick fix we want the the pill that's going to make us feel good we want to you know disengage from you know our life at at large so
0: yeah i mean the 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 ironic thing about that is it's actually the hardness of the task that is the actual medicine (laughs) you know what i mean like we need it to be hard yeah it's the only way we adapt we adapt through stress and adaptation like those things that you think are hard, good. It's good that they're hard. Like that's what it's supposed to be. That's what we need. That's what we require. You know, that's how that's how we're designed. Mm-hmm. You know. So, and I think it's that this idea that we should just be comfortable. All everything should be comfortable. You don't need to do anything. You got pills for this and this for that and this for that. Like that. The whole concept is backwards. And I think it leads to this, you know, exasperation and this depression and. and that's kind of systemic now where people are just unsatisfied. And the reason is that they haven't trained themselves to go towards the hard stuff because the hard stuff is where the real value is.
1: Yeah. It's like we only want, we only have the yearning or the desire to do that when shit's going wrong in our lives.
0: Well, then when we're forced to, yeah. you know, like desperation will cause us to deal with the hard shit. And that's like, you know, that's the way the, the, our soul works as a coach (laughs) you know what I mean like if we're if we're willing to do the hard work then perhaps we don't need these crazy lightning bolts and these crazy health scares and these all of this crazy shit because we're ahead of it and we've already learned the lesson in advance but when we don't learn the lesson then you know our good buddy the universe and our soul conspires to give us the lesson that we need to learn and that's you know happened to me multiple times there's been things that I know that I should go headlong into that. I ignore, and then all of a sudden, some set of circumstances forces me to have to deal with that in a major way. And I wish I would have dealt with it on my own terms, because the cost and the blood would have been a lot right. would have been a lot better if I had <laughs> dealt with it when I knew I should have. Right.
1: right. Uh, this this reminds me of something that you you know this you posted um, a picture on uh, Instagram with uh, the caption. At it told the story about how you were the first time you went scuba diving with your father
0: yeah you know what's bummer about that is the artist uh the artist even though we credit him he made me take that down so i gotta what? repost that what yeah. no I know. I know. are you like, serious yeah i was like hey Dude. man we're spreading a really good message here you want to like can we work this out and he's like and i'm crediting you and you're getting a lot of people who are following you and he's like no it's mine take it down. They're
1: oh gone, my goodness. Seriously. I can't, I'm like, I loved that post. So I screenshotted it cause it was so good. I loved it so much. It really moved me. And I was so just, I, I, I was able to connect to it because I had a similar experience, but that really bums me out, dude. I know.
0: <laughs> I agree. <laughs> what I agree. the
1: hell is wrong with people? Okay. <laughs> anyway. Um, so you 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 posted the story, and you know for the the people listening, obviously it's it's down at the moment. But can you tell us? Can you tell us what the post was about?
0: Yeah, well, the post was um, scarcity breeds madness, and that was the kind of concept of this post. Is that when you're in this scarce and desperate place, you will make choices that you know are seem crazy, and and I and I recognize that when I was going scuba diving with my father, I was about 12 years old at the time and we were both getting certified. So it was our first time in the water. And I was, I've been swimming since I was a year old, like been in the water forever, Mm -hmm. very comfortable in the water, probably more comfortable in the water than my dad. And anyway, so we're going down and we're doing this buddy breathing exercise with the dive instructor. And the idea is that in case somebody's air tank goes out that you share a regulator. I know we're like 30 feet underwater. You share a regulator, which is your breathing apparatus. And then you both ascend to the surface while sharing the regulator. So you're just passing it back and forth. Well, as soon as, so he took a breath of my regulator. I was holding my breath and it was my turn to take it back. And before I could get a breath, because he didn't have a regulator in his mouth, he panicked Mm -hmm. and he snatched that regulator out of my mouth and panicked to get his breath before I could get my breath and my father loved me, you know There's no doubt that he didn't love me But in that state where he was panicked for air and thought he wasn't gonna be able to breathe He was willing to take air from his only son at the time my, my little brother hadn't been born yet take air from his only son at 30 feet underwater in order to breathe And there's always points in our life where we feel scarce we feel insecure or jealous or we need you know, feel like we don't have enough money or we don't have enough love or we don't have enough anything and we'll do crazy things mm-hmm. in those circumstances. And so it's being really aware when you're creating you know, in this state of scarcity and understanding how badly you can hurt somebody and how you can act in discord to your own deep principles and values when you're in that state of scarcity.
1: Oh, so so good I and I love the way that you you spoke about it or the way that you wrote I was like wow this is first of all I'd be fucking pissed at my dad (laughs)
0: yeah right well obviously I still remembered it
1: (laughs) (laughs) I'm like I'm like god well the reason I can relate is because that it's like sometimes the people closest to us are willing to sacrifice us for for their own you know like life I guess for for lack of a, a better way of putting it but I'm curious I don't know that this is this might be a little non sequitur to to what we're talking about but do you believe in unconditional love? I'm curious. Of course. Okay. Of so course. what it, is It's
0: an but it's an ideal. Okay. Right? Like so this is what this is an ideal that you can strive for, but it's like a it's like basically saying do you believe in God? You know, and and like that's really <laughs> That's really the question that you're asking. And and, you know, so or do you believe in Christ consciousness? You know what I'm saying? And so the ideal can be can I be more in accord with my own divine self? Can I be more like, you know, Christ consciousness exemplified? Can I be more like unconditional love? Doesn't mean that we'll actually achieve it. You know, it's like achieving enlightenment. Yeah. Doesn't mean you'll achieve it, but you can still hold it as a target. You can still hold it as a star. And In the sky, you know, so can I forgive someone always? Can I love them, you know, even no matter what they do? Can I turn the other cheek to use again that biblical analogy? Like, Mm -hmm. can I love them no matter what? And I think those are great symbols for us to use. And I've talked about this one particular symbol multiple times, but I saw this one painting, and the painting was Prometheus, who was the light bringer. He brought light to, to mankind at great cost and peril to himself, and he was punished by the gods. And he was chained to a rock and every day an eagle would come and it would eat his liver out of the, um, eat out his liver on the rock. Well, in this one particular artist's rendition, it was right after the eagle had eaten his liver, Prometheus was embracing the eagle and giving it a hug. And this was his symbol of unconditional love, right? So this eagle that comes to eat his liver every single day for the rest of his life, every time that eagle eats his liver, he gives it a hug and and gives it love. And like that symbol was just like, mm-hmm. oh shit, that's mm-hmm. it. Like that is unconditional love. And and could we do that? Could we could we act that way, show love to that person in the office that throws a jab at us every time that you know, that person who triggers us constantly, can we see the truth behind all that and see their own fear, their own insecurity? And even if we have the discretion to give ourselves some distance from that person, still show them love and still have love for even our enemies. And I think that's an ideal that all of us should hold um, and try to approach as as much as we can.
1: Yeah, I love that. I mean, I I feel that um, you i mean this is definitely very much a part of your practice and i i really feel that that was kind of the vibe that i got with reading on the day on your life you know i was just like oh this is so in alignment with just feeling the support of of everything and everyone around you you know it's like this is you being able to to sit and and integrate with that 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 love the reason why i ask is because you know, sometimes I feel like you spoke to all of the the obstacles that would stand in our way. Obviously, when, when we want to feel that unconditional love, it's really looking past all of our you know limitations, just as humans. Um, so I guess the, the question is really like, can we can we have and can we feel that unconditional love with other people? You know, because you're talking about tapping into something outside of ourselves, you know, which which I, I also believe we're in alignment with that. But like, how do you how do you continue to cultivate that that sense of forgiveness and compassion with people when you are in a position in your life where you're feeling like you're just being your, your life, your ass is just being handed to you like on the yeah. daily
0: I think there's a couple parts of that for one, you know, I think in order to feel unconditional love for anyone else, we got to work on the love that we feel for ourselves. I mean, I think that's really crucial. And that's again, you know, always coming back to a deep sense of forgiveness. Cause I think forgiveness precedes, compassion precedes, you know, love. And I think that is a, that is a key. So it's like the, the loop goes like awareness, forgiveness, compassion, love, And I think that's the loop that we need to play. That's the path that we need to have for ourselves. So become aware when we're being overly self-critical, become aware when we need to give ourselves forgiveness, you know, and and aware of what drove us to that and what urges and what, you know, software programs that are running in our psyche that, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe we didn't even plant there ourselves that we're kind of programmed in and just become aware of that. Forgive, learn, forgive, have compassion for ourselves for making that. And then, you know, ultimately transcend and, and develop that kind of love that we can have and then see that and apply that same process to other people. So when you see correctly and when you're aware correctly, you know, even someone who's been abusive, like you see beyond the actions that they're doing now and you see to the abuse that they've had, the fear that they have, the insecurity, the powerlessness, the impotence, the helplessness, and their desire to fix that problem you know, through their actions and their unconscious behavior that's being driven that way. And so you can have a deeper level of compassion. Now and and love. Now, again, discretion is an important thing. And the analogy I like to use is the rose. And the rose has thorns on its stalk. And the thorns are there to keep people from carelessly trampling or animals from carelessly trampling on the rose bush. The thorns will stick. But the thorns aren't out there with like a thorn blowgun and just like hunting people down and shooting them, you know. And I think that's the that's a good analogy for our own discretion. Like have your thorns up. That's cool. Like don't let people get too close and hurt you and bully you like your thorns are there. But you also don't need to hunt them down for revenge, you know, and and be shooting shooting thorns and whipping them with the thorn stalks after you're done. Just the bare minimum amount to keep them from impinging on your own sovereignty and um you know and i think that's kind of what we have to keep in mind but a lot of that just comes with awareness and consciousness and being able to see the truth of things rather than see you know what your ego might want you to see which is generally you know how dare you do that to me yeah
1: yeah yeah i I, yeah i mean i love i love that analogy (laughs) (laughs) so good I'm gonna go hunt people down. That's the best. <laughs> um, I only have a couple more questions for you. Um, mm-hmm. What? So this is something that I, I like to ask uh, people, especially people that do a lot of self work, a lot of you know, um, in depth looking at at who they are at their core. And so, is there an area in your life that you've chosen to look closer?
0: I mean, I try to look closer at all the areas that I might be blind, you know, I mean, that's, I'm always looking for my blind spots. And, um, you know, I think one of the areas that's come up really presciently recently, and if you've listened to any of my podcasts in the last few months, I think I've, you know, you probably heard me talking about it is, you know, these validation cycles mm-hmm. and validation from, you know, powerful male figures, which mimicked uh, a need for validation that I never quite got from my father and really becoming aware of how I played that mistrust and, and also simultaneous need for validation across different other figures, paternal figures in my life. And then also my own validation loops surrounding um, the, the women in my life mm-hmm. and how I would use my own sexual prowess or my own... Um, you know, sexuality or dominance in that particular container to validate my own worth as a man to a certain degree and how, you know, really, instead of making love with somebody, I was really looking in the mirror and making love with that part of my ego that needed Mm -hmm. to be the one making love with somebody, you know, and, and how that really just ruins the experience and leaves you empty. And, uh, and I think that's, um, you know, so, those are two areas where I've had to really look close and really do some cleanup and do some work. And it's not like, as you said, you know, even with the awareness, it's not like I don't get stuck in that same trap and catch myself in the same familiar loops. And then I have to say, Hey, what am I doing here? You know, let's unwind this, let's relax. Let's, you know, go, we we'll look up, look at this a different way and, uh, and release that kind of tension. It's almost like the, the light inside me gets all bound up and mm-hmm. kinked up and it's just bringing awareness to it and then just releasing that that tension so energy can flow more freely.
1: Yeah, and I it is it is definitely uh admirable characteristic that you're able to do that especially in in an open relationship which you've talked about in the past because I'm like that must be just such a huge practice for you to be able to ask those questions and to mindfully put yourself in that (laughs) place because that takes a lot of work. Like I've been in a relationship for 15 years, you know, like I don't even, I couldn't, and that's one person. Are you kidding? If I had to do this with somebody else, I I couldn't do it. I would be like, no, I'd rather just like (laughs) be celibate for the rest of my life. Like absolutely freaking not, you know? So it's, it's so, I feel like, I know, I know why you're doing it, right? You've talked about it in the past. It's like, this is your, the practice for you to be able to eradicate those feelings of needing the validation and being able to be in a place of full love and understanding. But what happens when the other person doesn't feel how you do, you know, like you're coming at it from a place where you're being so honest and so open. And like, I hear it, you know, I, I hear it in your voice. I hear it in the way that you talk about it. And it's like, What happens if the other person isn't at the same level? You know what I mean?
0: Well, it's the same thing that happens anytime that you have a vibrational mismatch. You know, if you have vibrational discord and the energy that you're bringing is not met, that relationship won't survive. So one thing, one or two things has to happen. One, you're either going to pull them up to your level or two, you're going to drop down to theirs Mm. and one of them, you know, dropping down. Isn't satisfactory and isn't going to work, and so I think there's been times, fortunately, in the relationships that have stuck, you know, because not all relationships are gonna stick. Sometimes yeah. it's gonna be too much, but the ones that exist, and I have, you know, two partners right now. It's there's times where both of us will will lead in a higher vibration, and both of us will falter, yeah. and I think, um, you know, ultimately we're trying to bring bring ourselves up to the highest level of accord. And that comes through a lot of shit, <laughs> you know, that yeah. comes through dealing with a lot of the demons and a lot of the fears and a lot of this scarcity. And, you know, um, but ultimately, the, the beautiful part is that you can really rely on a deep truth. Mm. And as long as you just rely on truth, you know, truth is like truth is like an instrument that's playing in tune. And when you're really at radical truth and playing in tune, then everybody else will either tune their instruments to match or the sound of your truth will be too much for them and they'll leave the orchestra. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But what you got to realize is if you're transitioning to truth and everybody's been playing out of tune, your instrument is going to stand out and it's going to create a temporary (laughs) discord. Right. You know, so it's give people time to retune their instruments. And if they don't want to retune their instruments to that deeper level of truth or love, then, you know, they're probably not going to play a duet with you. (laughs) You know, they're probably going to, not going to play in part of the symphony. And, uh, and that's just the way it goes.
1: Yeah. And and I love how you, uh, place this in, in a way to, again, deepen your level of understanding to your own human condition and, and your own, your own ability to connect with your, your higher self, you know, I, for me, it's, it's, it's sort of, it's the opposite because for me being in a committed relationship is that, You know, like being in a relationship with one person every time you talk about this, I'm like, oh, yeah, I feel that way with Mm -hmm. one person. You know, it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, I see. I see. Here's the practice when it's getting difficult or when somebody does something hurtful and the way that you talk about it. I'm like, oh, that's how I feel when this happens in my relationship. You know what I mean? But I just like it's you know, you're always going to look to what's happening you know, outside, it's like, oh, well, is, is, if this is working for somebody else, will this work for me? You know what Mm. I mean? And I feel like it's just going back to the beginning with what we were talking about, how people need to be able to really discern what those things are and be willing to be open to uh, creating the life that they want in a sustainable way.
0: Yeah. I I think, you know, it's, um, really in any relationship, I think a lot of times people think that the difficulties are with the other person, but mm-hmm. really the difficulties are with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's really it's really all of the shit arises because if you're in proper accord, you know, it, it's really not that hard. You know, yeah. it's just getting yourself in the right position. It's you not getting triggered. It's you working through your own shit. Right. <laughs> you know, that's actually the hard part. So <laughs> multiplying that out to multiple people really isn't that much more complex because yeah. it's just about, it's just different touch points that can trigger different elements of you, but it's always you, you know, it's always your shit coming up, right? It's your, it's your possessiveness. It's your jealousy. It's your need for validation. It's your scarcity. It's your, whatever else that is, your codependency, all of these different factors. It's always your shit. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, I remember recently I was in a really, really good place and had, was a little bit out of accord with one of my lovers. Uh, well, my other one, I only have two, but, and, uh, <laughs> And I, and I recognized that like, all right, bringing things into full alignment is going to be a discordant process. But I had this just deep faith that all, all that was necessary was just hold that note of truth and just hold it pure and hold unconditional love, no matter what came out, no matter, no matter what arrows were slung or what, what things happened emotionally in the moment. And, um, and it was really cool because it, it literally did last about, Thirty-five minutes, where there was, you know, some tears and some jabs and some things, but I just stayed completely non-reactive and stayed in truth. And this is not always the case. I'm not saying like I've I've nailed this because I've certainly <laughs> failed this experiment like a thousand times, <laughs> but, but this time I didn't fail the experiment and I just held that tone and it was just things came back to a even better accord so much faster, mm-hmm. and it really wasn't that stressful and it wasn't that taxing because. I came into it knowing like all right, I've sorted my own shit. I'm going to radically admit all of the areas where I've I could have been more forthcoming. I could have communicated better and I'm going to radically forgive everything that comes my way out of anger because of that and whatever. And it was just a really easy process. And I, and I think that's, you know, something we all learn is the more that we can sort our own shit and admit it, apologize and hold love and and it just kind of ends that cycle. A lot faster and uh and a, something that i'm happy that i'm finally learning after you know years of drawn out slug fests so yeah
1: well you know, that and it's and like forth. most of the time it's like we say su- it's what you know the buddhists say we we suffer because we become attached you know and and a lot of the times the issues that happen in relationships are very much centered on yeah i love you but you need to be this way. It's like, yeah, sure. I love who you are, but you need to be different. <laughs>
0: you know what I mean? Right. It's like, <laughs> I
1: love you for who you are. You're perfect, except you need to change this. It's like, well, then what? That I'm confused. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I think yeah. that that speaks to what you're saying. It's like, We have to be what changes. You know, why Why do we desire things to be a certain way? Are they coming from that that egocentric place of, I need the validation. I need you to make me feel X, Y, and Z. As opposed to, hey, I'm going to fill up my cup and I'm going to be fully confident and secure and 100% loving regardless of what happens or regardless of what is happening on on your side of the street. It's like I always say, like, in in our relationship, mine and Tori's relationship, like, I I always say, I'm going to be 100% responsible for my 50%. Like, yeah. No matter what, you know. Beautiful. Um, I guess for you it would be the thir- thirty-three point something set. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I mean, like you could be responsible for a hundred percent of all of it. I think at that uh, point, you know. Uh,
0: yeah, you're responsible for a hundred percent of your shit. Yeah. You know, and each each relationship is, is individual, so it's it's the same. And, and I think there's, you know, what's funny is like people people draw these weird lines of distinction between the people you sleep with and your friends. But there's a lot of toxic friendships, like a lot of toxic friendships and a lot of friendships that people should break up with each other. Like, like legitimately, they shouldn't be friends at that level, or they should cure it. But it's like there almost isn't a roadmap for breaking up with someone you're not sleeping with. You know what I mean? It's like, it's a weird situation. And And I think we all have relationships that require work and we all have relationships that have certain levels of intimacy and certain resentments and certain failures of communication. Like just because you're using your genitals to pleasure each other doesn't necessitate creating this radically new paradigm. Mm. Like it's all the same paradigm. It's all about bringing these relationships to as much truth and support as you possibly can. And the genitals thing can be complicating, I get it, because it can elicit more emotions. But fundamentally, it's not that much different. You know, I have complicated relationships that are completely non-sexual, you know what I mean, and, and that require a similar degree of work. And I think we all have that. But I, I think it's, it's a weird distinction that we've made where we put people that we're sexually active with in a different category than the other intimate relationships in our life. And to me, I just look at it as much as I can as all the same. You know, these are relationships that the goal is to get to radical truth with, and to get to a deeper sense of love and commitment and support, and really the feeling like you're part of a tribe.
1: Yeah, oh, I love that, Aubrey. You're, you're like a little Buddha. (laughs)
0: <laughs> sometimes <You are>. sometimes <laughs>
1: okay so uh final three questions for you um I want to be respectful of your time so we're just gonna have to do this again because I've got like a whole list of questions about own the day that I didn't even ask you but that's okay <laughs> um okay <clears throat> in what what area of your life do you feel the most free
0: I think I feel the most free in my creative expression, you know, my ability to bring forth into the world anything that I can dream. And that's, you know, that's a beautiful place to be in that that whatever I wanted to come up with, whether it's a book or a poem or a podcast or a, I feel like I can bring that from idea into reality. And I feel incredibly free to be able to do that. So I'd say that's, uh, the place I feel the most free.
1: Mm-hmm. Is there any, like, do you have a, a personal mantra or does it change over time?
0: Well, not for that. I mean, that's, you're, you're talking about my strengths right now. Right. So like, that's an area where I just deeply believe that I've done it, you know, time and time again, and I've felt supported from the universe when I do it. And it's not that resistance doesn't come up, but, um, in that regard, uh, you know, that's just a, it's something that's very deeply true for me that I really feel. And then there's other areas that, you know, I don't feel as free and I don't feel as strong and I don't feel as confident. And those are the ones where I try to, you know, apply more effort and more tactics and more, um, you know, tools Mm -hmm. because, because I need the support in those areas.
1: If you could go back in time, to your 15-year-old self, what advice would you give him or would you say anything to him, (laughs) any words of wisdom to 15-year-old Aubrey?
0: I mean, it's honestly the same advice I would give to 15 minutes ago, Aubrey, which is is like stress less, enjoy more. You know, it's all going to work out. It's always worked out. It always one way or another no matter how much shit comes no matter how heavy the storm clouds are no matter what happens like it always works out you always learn from it you always get better you know just take the stress off enjoy the enjoy the moment more trust more have more faith you know really enjoy the process and uh and that's the advice that I would give mm. at all points to all former Aubrey's and okay. all future Aubrey's.
1: Uh, that was the next question. What would 95 year old Aubrey say to you now?
0: Yeah, he would say the same thing that I'm trying to tell my 15 year old. Aubrey. You know? <laughs> like, come on, man, just fucking trust a little bit more. It all worked out. Look at you. You're 95. You're fucking you killed it. You did everything you wanted. And the whole time you were worried that you weren't. You know, so, so just fucking have some faith, man.
1: Oh goodness okay so so final question Um, this is in regard to this forum and this podcast so I started this podcast as a way for people to come to to get inspired to feel supported by this community um, using all these different modalities of yoga meditation any ritualistic practice Um, the idea is that we're supported by the universe that you know, the universe works for us and not against us, whatever higher power that is of your understanding, God, Buddha, baby Buddha, Krishna, whatever it is that you believe in supports you unconditionally and, and loves you unconditionally. So the final two questions for you are number one, how do you feel that radical love? And the second is what do you radically love?
0: <laughs> we are radical love. Like, that's what we are. And we just pile stuff up. We just pile stuff on top of it. It's like when you look out at a cloudy day, it's not that the sun went away. It's just that the clouds were obscuring the sun. And so you can't see it and you can't feel it. Like, but the sun is the fucking same. Like, the sun didn't get cloudy. You know, the sun didn't have anything. The sun didn't go dark because it's night. Doesn't mean the sun's not shining. It's just pointing a different direction, right? The sun is the sun. And we are love like the sun is the sun. And so to me, feeling and giving, it's, you know, you can't open the door one way without it going both ways. So it's really the same thing for me. It's a recognition of who we are as love. And when I recognize myself as love, I can pour love into the world, into nature, into myself. I can pour love everywhere. And when I, obscure that with my own fear and my own delusion and i don't feel like i am love and i deny the f- fact that i am the son that i am love then i don't receive love and i don't feel love and i don't give love and so you know to me it's this real recognition and, and uh, identification as love that allows me to experience it and give it
1: mm. i love that i love that <laughs> I'm like I don't even that there's like no follow-up to that <laughs> that's just that's just everything Aubrey thank you so much for uh, all the work that you've done for creating this this epic piece of work uh, that's giving us the tools to create a better life and for everything that you've done with with your businesses with your podcast with your your openness your heart your authenticity I, I think that, you know, you help so many people and I personally just want to thank you for, for doing that and for, you know, being a part of, of this incredible community. So uh, thank you for being on the show and for being who you are.
0: Yeah. And thank you for what you do as well. There's far too few female podcast hosts. So. You know, I hope I uh, I hope I hope the podcast continues to grow and you <laughs> attract more audiences and kill it. And anybody who's looking for me, I'm just at Aubrey Marcus on Instagram. I'm always putting stuff out there. It's the Aubrey Marcus podcast. And um, yeah, I mean, I, I just love hearing from new people. And um, so hopefully I'll hear from some of you guys coming up here soon.
1: Yeah, uh, so and we'll have all of Aubrey's links uh, on the show notes. So if you go to the show notes, just uh, you'll find all the links there. Um, also, for the people listening, we're giving away twenty books. So, uh, own the day, own your life. We we are giving twenty books away. So, for the first twenty people that hear this podcast in its entirety, just Instagram message at Rosie Acosta and at Aubrey Marcus, and post it on Instagram, and you will have an opportunity to win the book. Awesome. Yeah. Love it. This podcast is brought to you by our very special sponsor, Uveda. So Ayurveda is the sister science to yoga. Ayurveda relies on the intelligence of Mother Nature and our own body's ability to heal. Most of you know that as a health coach and a nutritionist, I have spent most of my career always trying to find more natural and holistic modalities. I have an autoimmune disease, so this makes it a little bit more challenging, but it's manageable nonetheless so long as my body is in full balance. A couple of weeks ago, I was talking to my dear friend and fellow podcaster, Sahara Rose, and I was telling her I was having all these issues with my stomach, my digestion, and she recommended this brand called Uveda. So I did my due diligence and I researched them and I found that this company is really created uh, an incredible brand of supplements to support everything that we love about our bodies and our body's natural ability to heal but also using the tools of ayurveda so they use this as their foundation to everything that they do as with everything i'm always a bit dubious because i know there's not a one fix all supplement or brand but I tried it, I used both the joints supplement and the digestion and I'll tell you, after using it for about a month, I noticed such a huge difference. They are just such an incredible company and I was able to chat with them and talk to them not only about the high quality of their product but the high quality of their brand and their company and what they're trying to do. I quickly found that these people are my people And all we're trying to do is create a ripple effect in the world so that we can continue to impact people's lives and create better health, deeper connections, and just overall healthy living. I'm so excited to not only partner with them, but to have them share a special code for all of the listeners. Go to uveda.com and type in Rosie, that's R-O-S-I-E, at checkout to get a special discount on all of their products. Do you want to go on an epic yoga adventure? I do. In fact, I I, I do all the time. <laughs> when, when do I not want to go on an epic yoga adventure? And this fall, in an attempt to see the Northern Lights, we will go to Iceland into a journey through the chakras. It's going to be fun. If you're curious, you can email me at rosie at radicallyloved.com or go to the show notes and click the links to each of the retreats. Or you can go to radicallyloved.com. See you soon. Hey, everyone. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I am so excited to continue to do this. Please share this with your friends. Email us. Message us on Instagram at Rosie Acosta or on Twitter at Rosie Acosta. Subscribe on iTunes. Write a review. We love doing this. So please help us continue to keep this podcast going. Thanks for listening.